by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, it's kind of been a, a strange week. You know, a couple times I was driving and Angie was sitting beside me. And we're driving along, kind of quiet, and all of a sudden I hear, Question mark. And I look at Angie and I'm like, what's wrong with her? I drive a little further. Period. I said, what's wrong with you? Well, come to find out that her phone had broke a little corner piece right where you get to your punctuation when every time she, she likes to text, but then when she would get to the punctuation, she couldn't do it, so she would hit talk to text. And have you ever talked to somebody that's speaking a different language and you're trying to communicate and you're saying, and you talk real loud, you know, but like they're going to understand you and you talk real slow? Exclamation point! <laughs> and I said, Angie, you don't understand you. You don't have to yell. You got to say it clear, okay. But you were saying it loud and clear. <laughs> but she got a new phone. Hallelujah. Before I had a wreck, you know, she scared me off the road there. So it's been an interesting week. Um. So Adam was in the garden, right? And Eve was there. And they walked with God in the cool of the day. They had everything that they could eat. They got to name the animals. I mean, there was nothing that would harm them there. They had everything. And God said, don't eat of that one tree. Everything else you can have. But the moment you eat of that one tree, you shall surely Die. The day, he said, the day that you eat of that tree, you shall die. Of course, what did they do? They ate of that tree. But the Bible says that God kicked them out of the garden, but they went on to have them knuckleheads, Cain and Abel. And they act, Adam actually lived to be 939 years old. But the Bible said that the day that they eat of that tree, they shall surely die. Now, is God a liar? Is it possible for God to lie? So maybe we're just not understanding what happened there or something. I don't know. But he said, he declared, the day that you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. They ate of that tree, and he went on, and they lived. But that's right. If you know anything about who you are, you are a soul. You have a mind, a will, and emotions, your feelings, your, your will, what you want to do, and, and your personality and all that. And your soul 
lives in a body. It's an earth suit. It's how you get around down here, right? It's how you live and, and move on planet earth. You have a body. But you also have a spirit. And when God had breathed into Adam and Eve, he breathed his spirit into them, and they became a living being. Is that true? They became alive. They became in the image of God. Now they have the life of God breathing on the inside of them. But the day that they ate of that tree, it says their spirit was dead in sins and trespasses. So they did die that day in the worst way. Now they were separated from their source of eternity. God is life, and the sin caused death. The wages of sin is death. And now they are separated from God. Whew. They got kicked out of the garden. They, sin separated them from the fellowship with God. They did die. Now their bodies, they were on a charge, you know. They still they had a charge left in them. They, and Adam lived another... 900-something years. You know, somewhere along the line, God said, I'm not putting up with people for 900 years. He, he cut that off. He moved that way back. Now we get, you know, maybe 120 at the most. But back then, they was living a long time. And so, they were living on a charge. And that's the way we are today. The Bible says that because we're Adam's seed. We're born into the sin of Adam. We live, but it's just on a temporary charge because our spirits are dead unto God. We're born dead in our sins and trespasses because, see, sin infected the whole earth. And we're of the bloodline of Adam. And that, by the way, is why you need to switch allegiance from Adam to Jesus. And be born again. And that's what happens when you're born again. Your spirit is re your spirit is resurrected. It was dead, but now it's alive. Just as Jesus came out of the tomb, you're, you come out of the tomb with him. Now your spirit is back alive with God. Now you have fellowship with God again. And now you will live forever with God again. You have been restored, redeemed, and resurrected. That's what it means. Jesus paid the sin debt. Is any of this making sense? I, I know you guys know all this stuff. But you say, well, what was the whole point of the garden thing? Why did God put Adam and Eve in the garden? Why did he put the tree in there? He knew that they would eat. God knows all things, right? Good question. Because God had a better plan. God had a better plan than the garden. You know, God didn't need a gardener. Just a thought, right? He had a plan so amazing that it says in 1 Peter 1.12 that even the angels longed to look into this plan. The angels are like, man, I wonder what God's going to do now. 
you know, Adam and Eve messed up, but we know God knew better. We know God's got, he's, he thinks so far ahead of us. He's like the master at chess. He's thinking billion moves ahead of us. We, and them angels are like, man, I can't wait till God reveals this plan. Even It says even the angels long to look into what God had in store for mankind after Adam and Eve fell. And that's what we're going to discuss today. We've been in a series called Seven Things. Seven Things that I, I did a video to teach seven things to new Christians. And what do I do now that I'm saved? What do I do? And really, they're the same seven things that all of us need to be doing. So I decided to preach them a series on them. And, and so the first was pray, read your Bible, go to church, get involved in church. And then last week, we talked about sharing your faith. These are things that all Christians need to be doing because all of these things are bringing you to your purpose and your calling and to your relationship with Jesus because that's what Jesus is doing on the earth. And so today we're going to go ahead and cover the last two things, number six and number seven. And number six is get water baptized. And number seven is get baptized in the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Spirit. So we're going to try to cover those th two things today. Exclamation point! So what is water baptism? We'll start with that. Water baptism is something Jesus commanded us to do. Well, that ought to be enough for you right there. Jesus commands us to get water baptized after we get saved. And what did Jesus do? Jesus got water baptized. If he needed to get water baptized, hey, that's enough for me. But see, baptism doesn't make you a believer. And a lot of people get that mixed up. They think, if I get baptized, that must mean I'm good with God, right? Not necessarily. You might have just got wet. <laughs> baptism doesn't make you a believer. It declares that you already are one. See, you got to get born again first. You got to give your heart to Jesus because getting baptized is an outward display of an inward reality. It already happened. You've already been washed clean by the blood of Jesus on the inside. And the water baptism you go under with him is a symbol that you are buried with him into his death and then you're raised up clean into a new life. And it's a celebration and a, a declaration that I'm a believer. I'm in the family of God. I belong to Jesus. And it's a great celebration. And it's also a almost... I don't know if you call it an ordination or what, what, what would you call it? But when Jesus was baptized and they raised him up, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove and a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God spoke a blessing over Jesus when he was raised out of that water. And so I'm saying all this to say next week, we're pulling that baptism out. We're putting it right over there. We're going to fill it up. And if you need to be water baptized, you sign your name back there on the sheet. And we'll make sure you get water baptized next Sunday. We already have four people signed up to do it. So it's going to be a thing. It's going to be a thing. So if you hadn't been water baptized, we got six on it already. Two today. All right. So it's going to be a celebration. They're going to come up out of that water and, and, and God's going to park this green ceiling. He's going to say, that's my beloved son or my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. 
Exclamation point. <laughs> Turn to Acts chapter 8. Did I mention how much I love you guys? All right, Acts chapter 8, verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. So, you know, the Christian home at the time was basically in Jerusalem. That was where the hub was. But outside, the message was going forth, and it had reached Samaria. And so the believers said, we better send somebody to make sure that they're on the right track over there. They're not getting off track. So they sent Peter and John. And as, they, as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. See, they were new believers. The Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of of the Lord Jesus. So we see two things. These people were believers and they had been baptized, water baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So are they going to heaven? Absolutely. I mean, 1 John 5, 12, I think it is, that you may know that you have eternal life. These people have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And he's the way. These are believers. They believe in the way. So much so that they said, I want to be dunked. I want God to speak that blessing over my life. I want to declare it to the world. And they had done so. They had declared their faith. They were not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they were believers, and they had been water baptized. And that's where a lot of the church in America today stops. But I want you to look at verse 17. What's that first word? Then. What does then mean? Say then. Then means something else happened, right? Something happened over here, but then something else is about to happen. What else is supposed to happen? I mean, I've been, I'm a believer, I've been water baptized, but then... Peter and John laid their hands on these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. What? Wait a minute. I was told I got the Holy Spirit when I believed. You were born again. You were made new. You were made available to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you got the Holy Spirit for salvation. But did you get all of the Holy Spirit for your calling, for your walk here on this earth? Did you get filled? Did you get immersed? And that's today's title of today's message, Immersed. I-M-M-E-R-S-E-D. Immersed. Say then. See, there's salvation, there's water baptism, and then there's baptism in the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist said in 
Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, I baptize with water for those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be a slave or carry his sandals. He's talking about Jesus now. He says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The Holy Spirit and fire. Hallelujah. Turn to Acts 19. Question mark. Acts 19, verse 1. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions where he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. So do you necessarily receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? They said no. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And that's where a lot of churches try to keep it today. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself, like I said, just told the people to believe in the one whom would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They got re-water baptized in Jesus' name, not in John's name. And in verse 6, it says, Then. That's the predominant word today. Say, then. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Hallelujah. They began to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But wait a minute, that scares me. That's why I'm not going past that then. I just want to be saved. And I just want to be water baptized, but I'm not going no further. Well, that's really sad. Because God wants you saved, water baptized, and baptized in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit. I can promise you. See, he couldn't stand us being dead in our sins and trespasses. So he resurrected us with Christ. God, like I said, he didn't really need a gardener. He wanted children. So he adopted us into his family. Now he loved walking with Adam in the cool of the evening. That was great. But his real desire was to walk in us. And walk with us, in us, through our life. He wants his hand in every area of your life. He wanted more than just your afternoons in the cool of the evening. He wants all of you. Now, I was going to do my own little illustration I came up with in my mind. I had a big sponge in mind, and I was going to put it in the water. And 
I was going to talk about how the sponge came out of darkness and belonged to God, but it wasn't until he went under the water and became immersed that the sponge became Uda Sponge. You know, I had all these things in my mind. I thought, that's not that good. So I got to looking around, and I found this video, and this guy came up with something really good. And I started to steal it from him and do it myself, and then I think, no, he does it real good too. Why don't I just show this video? So I want you to watch this video. I think it's wonderful. I think it is an exact description of what's going on in most Christians' lives today. Check this out. We can't live the Christian life, a supernatural life, in the natural. We simply don't have the strength. The the only way to live that life is to let Christ live his life through us. Now, I'd like to try to illustrate that. This illustration I'm going to use is is so simple, it's almost embarrassing, and I almost chucked it three times, but I'm going to go ahead and try it anyway. I have here with me a glove. Okay, it's, it's it's a work glove. It's well made, it's got leather and Velcro, it's tightly stitched together. This glove is designed for work. It's made to lift and carry so it ought to be able to do some work. So I say to that glove, glove, pick up that Bible. It doesn't do anything. Well, maybe what that glove needs is some, some encouragement, some inspiration. Come on, glove, you can do it. You were made to pick up that book. Well, there's nothing. Maybe the glove needs some, some training, it needs to be discipled. So I'm going to do some one-on-one here and say, come on, you know, you put your thumb and fingers together and there's still nothing. Maybe what the glove needs is some fellowship. You know, get some other gloves hanging around them and, and maybe get the hang of, we'll make it a multicultural fellowship here and just, there's still nothing. You know what I think? I think this glove needs to make a commitment it needs to rededicate itself to being a glove. Raise a hand and come forward and get baptized or something. Now you get the point, it's painfully obvious at this point. Even though that glove was designed for work, it can't do work until a living hand fills every part of it and does its work through the glove. And that's how the Christian life works. We are not able to live the supernatural life of God in our own strength. Now, we have the capacity for it. We were made for it. But we don't have the power for it because of our fallen human condition. The only way to live that life is to let Christ live his life through us. And he does that through his Holy Spirit. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. I often wonder why, you know, these rallying sermons and these fellowships and all these things, all this activity taking place in the church and still people are ho-hum about their Christianity. Well, 
John pray, uh, Jesus prayed in John 17, 21. He says, I pray that they will all be one. Just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. That is the plan that the angels longed to look into since the fall of Adam. It has floored the angels that God would dare insert himself into his people and empower us to be what he originally intended for us to be. And the plan is, is so much wonderful than that. I could go on. I could talk about how now each person has a choice and so nobody has to love him. or doesn't, He put the tree in the, in the garden so that we would have a choice. But now we have a choice to love him and to trust him to fill us with himself. And we can be one with him throughout eternity, not just when we get there, but here on this side, I'm sending my Holy Spirit. I'm sending you a comforter. He will be with you and he will be in you. First John 5, 8 says, There are three that bear witness on the earth. The Spirit, and that's a capital S, that means the Holy Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. Now there's many interpretations of that scripture. What does that mean? And there, there's other ways to see it, but in light of what we're preaching here today, can't you see how the, the blood, the water, and the Spirit are, are what God agrees is the one thing that we need? The blood of Jesus that cleanses us and resurrects us and makes us alive to God. The water baptism that declares it to the world. And three, the Spirit of God baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Those are the three that agree in your life as one here on the earth that you are supposed to be involved with. This is who you were created to be. The Spirit. The blood. And the water. Isn't that awesome? Acts 1.8, Jesus says, but you will receive power. Say power. Aren't you always praying for power? Aren't you saying, God, give me the strength to get through today. God, give me strength to put up with so-and-so. But he says, I will give you power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. And see, that's why the churches are cowered down behind their pews and afraid to get out into the community, ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, won't share with anybody. Because there's no power in their life. They're operating solely on their own human frailty. Paul says you're acting like mere humans. And he's like, you could be filled with God. But you choose to act like mere humans. 
You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We're set for victory! <laughs> Exclamation point! We're set! We have everything that we need! <laughs> or so you'd think. Because just a few chapters later in Acts chapter 7, verse 51, Apostle Paul says, You stubborn people! You heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. You've cut your ears off. Anytime somebody speaks about the Holy Spirit, you say, it's not for me. You stubborn people, deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. See, I don't know what it, I don't know what it is about human beings. We want a, a form of godliness, but deny the power. Hmm. We want to be comfortable in our Christianity. If I can't taste it, see it, smell it, if I can't touch it, I'm not believing it. But aren't we called to walk by faith and not by sight? We want to understand everything. Wait a minute now, I'm going to study this out. In the meanwhile, we're falling prey to temptation and error and deception because we don't have the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. We're falling asleep, church. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no life, really, resurrection power in our life. We need to pray, but we won't. We say we believe, but we don't. We live lackluster, unfulfilling, carnal Christian lives, fighting spiritual battles in the flesh. Every day, every day the church is getting whooped down here on earth. I bet them Christians that we talked about in Iran, I bet they got power. I bet they're not rejecting the Holy Ghost. We're not try I'm not talking about trying to get you to change the way you believe, uh, you know, that... Our church over here, our denomination does this, and y'all don't do this. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about what the Bible says. I'm not talking religion. I'm talking, do you want power in your life? The power that Jesus says he sent to us. Hmm. Romans 8, 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded or fleshly minded, just out there on your own, thinking about your own things, is death. You're going back to that dead state that Jesus resurrected you from when you got saved. Being carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And why would we ever think that we could understand all of God's ways anyhow. Is that what you're waiting on until you understand it fully? You're going to box him in within the, the, 
the limits and the confines of your little natural carnal mind. That's, that's the God that you want to serve. You better be careful that you're not serving the God of your own making. Is God just somebody that I have to understand before I believe? Man, we would sooner strip down to our skivvies and jump off the boat and swim down to the Titanic and, and take a selfie as we would under, under, to delve the depths of God's mind. His ways are higher than our ways. And they're altogether different. The world says this, but God says this. You can't agree with the world and agree with God at the same time. Christians live by faith and not by sight. Oswald Chambers says, Faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you may not understand at the time. You got deliberate confidence. I, I choose to have confidence in God even though I don't understand all of his ways. I understand that he's good, that he loves me, he saved me. I understand enough about God that I can trust him with the rest. Have miracles ceased? Has powers and wonders and signs? Has healings quit? They have for those who don't believe. Don't see many of them over here. I bet you you see a lot of them in Iran. And for those of you who weren't here, we talked about the church in Iran is growing faster than any church in the world under the persecution of that Islamic militant state. Because they don't care what people think over there. They're happy about Jesus. And they trust Jesus. They're not worried about, you know, can I afford that 75-inch TV next week? They're not carnally minded. They give it all to Jesus. They say, I want a life in peace right now. I don't want to wait till I get to heaven. I want to, I want to know what God wants me to be. John 4.24 says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit. And in truth, spirit and truth, they're synonymous. They mean the same thing. The spirit is the truth. He is the spirit of truth. So what then? Galatians 5.25 says, since we're living by the spirit, let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Not just on Sundays. Luke 11.13 Jesus says, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? Now, he's talking about good gifts. He's talking about a good gift. If you give good gifts, how much more of a good gift will God give you if you ask him? And he names the Holy Spirit as the good gift. Some of us are like, I'm scared of the Holy Spirit. He's going to overtake me and make me do things that will make embarrass me. No, he won't. He won't. He's not going to take anything that you don't relinquish to him. He's not going to make you speak in other tongues. You have to open your mouth and do that. You have to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. He's not going to make you prophesy. He's not going to make you... Speak a word of wisdom or a word of truth or anything like that, and a word of knowledge. He's not going to overtake you. 
The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. The prophet, the, the people, you still are in control, but, do, do, but you're allowing control of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, don't leave home without it. What's in your wallet? He did. He said, right before he ascended into heaven, he said, go to Jerusalem and wait until you be endued with power from on high. I don't want you out there on the streets witnessing in your own limited ability, running people off, not knowing what to say, being all carnal, not understanding the scriptures. See, the Holy Spirit helps us do all these things. He said, I want you to go until you... You be endued with power from on high. This good gift that I'm going to give you. It's a good gift. He said, you're not going to ask your father to give you a loaf of bread. He's going to give you a scorpion or an egg. He's going to give you a serpent. If you're asking the Holy Spirit, you're asking God for something good. He's not going to give you something demonic. People, be careful what you say about the Holy Ghost. That's the sin of... <laughs> It says the only sin that cannot be forgiven is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Don't talk bad about the Holy Spirit you don't understand. But he is going to give you a good gift. He wants, he wants to give you a good gift. And the funny thing is, is all those thousands of people that Jesus preached to while he was down here on the earth, there was only 120 of them in the upper room. So don't be surprised if you get filled with the Holy Ghost and you're so excited about it and you're seeing power in your life and everything's changed and you're wanting to tell your friends, they say, oh, it ain't for me. You may have to walk this road alone. There wasn't but 120, but you'll find, a, I'll find 119 more like you somewhere. Y'all be the ones up there in agreement and one heart, praying and believing God, and then all of a sudden that building will shake sound of a mighty rushing wind come in and, and tongues of fire be sitting on your head and you'll begin to speak in an unknown tongue. You'll go out in the streets and 3,000 people will get saved that day. Supernatural things will begin to happen in your life. And the people, some of them, some of them will say, oh, that's real deal now. Those guys are speaking in our language and they ain't even from where we're at. They'll acknowledge real miracles. 3,000 of them would get saved. But there'll always be that crew over there saying, oh, they just drunk. They're just drunk. That's what that is. A bunch of crazy people. There'll be people who say stuff like that. Yeah. But Peter says, these guys are not drunk as you suppose. <laughs> they drunk all right. They drunk on the Holy Spirit. There ain't no high like a Holy Ghost high. These guys are not drunk. It's just 9 o'clock in the morning. They ain't been drinking no alcohol. They ain't drinking the counterfeit. They drunk on the Holy Spirit. And Peter says, how about you not mock us? How about you join us? He said in Acts 2.38, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then... 
then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Won't you get saved? Won't you get water baptized? And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I love the Word of God. It's so true. You see, I can preach it with such confidence because I've been living it for 20-something years now. And I know the difference in me without the Holy Spirit and when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I know the difference. <laughs> Y'all would run the old me out of here. Ain't no question. I wouldn't have lasted five years. No, Nowhere close. I wouldn't have lasted five minutes in the old me. It's the Holy Ghost in me. I am what I am by the grace of God. And you are too. You may not even realize the, uh, the limitless potential of who God can make you when you surrender your life to him completely and allow yourself to be immersed in his spirit and stop fighting against God himself. That's really what we're doing. Most of the church is fighting against God. No, I don't understand that. I don't believe it. And you'll preach against it. And you find yourself fighting against God. One of my favorite kids in the whole world is Alex. Now, Alex is probably 13, 12, 13 now. But several years ago, Alex got baptized here at the church. You may have seen Alex because some of our baptisms here recently, we had Alex come up. And he, he was official water tester. He would see if the temperature in the baptism was right. And the reason he did that was because when he got baptized, every, you know, everybody got baptized before him. He was the last one, thank goodness. And he climbed up to get into water baptism. Now, the water baptism has got a heater in it, and it keeps the water nice and comfortable. So if you're worried about that. And he stuck his toe in it. Oh, 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 it's hot. It's hot. And Alex started saying, it's hot. I'm not getting in. Oh, that's hot. I said, no, it's not hot, Alex. It's not bad. It's just like bath water. It's not really, you know, you'll get used to it. No, no, that's too hot. That's too hot. And I'm not kidding you. It was probably five, ten minutes later trying to convince this kid to get him. And the whole church has come to a standstill. Everybody in the church is, Alex, Alex, you know, come on, Alex, get in the water. And we couldn't get Alex in the water. He finally, we finally talked him into getting his ankles in there. And he's like, you know, it's hot, it's hot, it's, it's not that hot. I said, Van, go get the, the ice cubes out of the refrigerator in there. Now, we, the, the church has come to a standstill, grinding halt at this point now. He goes and gets the ice cubes and he pours them all in there. And after about two or three more minutes of convincing that the water has cooled off, he walks down to the and we finally coax him to sit down, you know. And we're 20 minutes into this baptism thing. And he sits down finally. And I'm like, whew. All right, Alex, have you made Jesus the Lord? He said, can we just get on with it? And I thought to myself, that's just what I was thinking. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I held him under for about three minutes. His parents had to come and get me. No, no I didn't. I didn't, but I wanted to. 
But I love Alex. He's just hilarious. Everybody was laughing. It was, it was a wonderful experience because Alex said something that we need to listen to. He said, can we just get on with it? Because some of you done stuck your toe in 50 times. You said it ain't for me. It's too hot. You done, you done went around the baptism 27 times about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You done heard this message four times. Oh, I, it's just easier not to listen to what he said. I'm just going to walk away because I don't want to be seen as weird. I don't want to think this. I don't want to do Just get on with it. Your life is wasting. The first day of the rest of your life starts today. Today is the day that the Lord has made. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you get filled with the Holy Ghost and with power. Colossians 1.26 says the message was kept secret for centuries and generations. But now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and the glory of Christ or for you. Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. I just like the way the King James says it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And this is the message that still got the angels scratching their head today. Look what God did. We knew he was going to do something. We couldn't imagine that God would put himself in the people. That God had something better than the garden. Look how what Jesus has done. That some people could run to the baptism of the Holy Ghost and jump head first and go under and be immersed in God. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! I'm not just preaching. I'm telling you the truth. I've been in that pool. And it's just right. It is just right. You're not going to find yourself unless you find yourself in him. <laughs> I'm going to get drunk in the Holy Ghost. Question mark. <laughs> So I got a question. I got a question mark. Are you saved? Are you water baptized? And are you baptized in the Holy Ghost? Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.